भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टुवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्षो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शातिशातिशा सो दिस् क्लास ई थिंक अमोंग ऑल द क्लासेस एट लीस्ट फॉर मी इट वॉज दि फेवरेट क्लास आई थिंक सम मोर पीपल हैव कम स्टेक अ लुक शशांक and so i was very keen to resume this class as far as possible in a classroom format so that people can interact and ask questions uh, so if you remember we were studying the mandukya karika uh, in the vedanta study group on these wednesday classes we used to have it in the afternoons and um, before i left we were able to complete most of it we completed three chapters um, so the mandukya karika you know the uh, the structure is the the core text is the mandukya upanishad which is a very short but very powerful very important upanishad um so only 12 mantras but on these 12 mantras gaurapada acharya wrote his karikas a commentary in verse form so that was in four chapters the first chapter called agama prakarana agama means upanishad so the first chapter includes the upanishad so first chapter of uh, gaurapada's mandukya karika includes mandukya upanishad plus gaurapada's commentary the second chapter vaitathya prakarana is only the commentaries of uh, of gaurapada acharya with which uh, the more 38 uh, verses um, the upanishad is not there upanishad is finished in the first chapter i think some more people have come yeah um then the third chapter is called the uh, the advaita prakaranam the chapter on non duality that also includes uh, that's also composed of karikas made uh, of, of gaudapada acharya and the fourth chapter is the alata shanti prakaranam alata shanti means quenching the fire brand now of these four chapters we have completed the first three chapter 1 2 and 3 the first three prakaranas are complete only the fourth prakarana remains and that is the largest the most important teachings have already been given in the first second and third uh, prakaranas but we have to complete the f- uh, whole text so the fourth prakarana is ahead of us it's a very interesting chapter with a miscellany of very d- different topics many different philosophical views are taken up and considered by gaurapada um shankaracharya he says about these four chapters together sarva vedartha sar sangraha bhutam idam prakarana chatushtayam idam these four chapters contain the essence of all vedanta so the entirety of vedanta is uh, in these four uh, chapters um what i'm thinking of doing today is since we did all this almost one year uh, practically one year ago because we ended before summer last year and uh, uh, to refresh our memories what we will do is in this class that is today's class we'll do a little revision quick revision of what has the ground that has been covered um 
So today's class, I will talk about the Mandukya Upanishad itself, about the second chapter that is the Vaitatya Prakaran, and we will stop there. We will discuss in between also. If you have any questions, um, you can raise that little blue hand and go to that participants box at the bottom, and then you click on it. You will see there's an option. It will come up. Option raise hand. So you raise hand and. I can ask the question, Shashank will unmute you and, uh, and that you can do at any time and once in a while I'll, I'll also stop and see and ask if you have got any questions. Uh, if you cannot find that little raise hand icon, doesn't matter, there's a chat option, just type it out that uh, I want to ask a question or type out the question itself. So Shashank will be constantly monitoring uh, if people want to ask questions, he will uh, enable the, the voice audio. Chapter 1, it includes the Mandukya Upanishad and the message of Vedanta, you know, it, it's pretty simple actually. Uh, Vedanta can be this vast literature of Advaita Vedanta, it can be stated very simply. Um, even, even the one little syllable Om is the entire Vedanta is there. If you want a little more detail, uh, then the Mahavakyas, Tattvamasi, that thou art, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. Um, Prajnanam Brahma, Consciousness is Brahman or in this very Upanishad, in the Mandukya Upanishad, there is a Mahavakya, Ayamatma Brahma, this very self is Brahman. So that contains the entirety of the message of Advaita Vedanta. If you want further expansion, then the Upanishad is there. Um, the major Upanishads are there which Shankaracharya has commented upon and the entirety of the Upanishad, the Advaitic literature is there to explain this. So, in a very brief uh, form, if you want, what is Vedanta? Om. Little bigger, uh, Tattvamasi or I am Atma Brahma. You, your own self is the ultimate reality. If you want to understand what do you mean by Atma, what do you mean by Brahman, how do I know that my own self is Brahman, what is the result of this knowledge, all of that, then welcome to the Upanishad. So, in the Mandukya Upanishad, we remember, this is the first chapter of this um, Mandukya Karika. We remember the, the uh, Upanishad said, uh, Soyam Atma Chatushpad. This Atman itself is Brahman, Ayam Atma Brahma. Soyam Atma Chatushpad. This Atman, our self, has four aspects. Four aspects. What are these four aspects? We all know the waker, I the waker. And, my, the, and the world that I experience, the waking world, Jagrat Avastha, the waking stage, where there is a waker and a waking world. Then the second aspect of the self, second aspect of the self is the dreamer, that means I in my dream state, um, and the dream world that I experience, Swapna Avastha. Then there is a third um, um, state of our experience, third aspect of the Atman, which is Sushupti, deep sleep. So, I in the state of deep sleep and the blankness uh, that I experience in deep sleep, that is Sushupti. Now, these three aspects are known to us, but what the, and so the Upanishad is not really about waking, dreaming or deep sleep. It's just using them to point out the fourth. So, what is that fourth? Gaudapada gives it a name Turiyam and Shankaracharya also uses the word Turiya. The word Turiya actually is not used in the Upanishad, original Upanishad, but uh, Gaudapada uses the word Turiya and that has become so well known in Advaita Vedanta. Turiya just means, in Sanskrit, Turiya just means four, number four. 
four uh, with respect to what waking is one dreamer is two deep sleeper is three and the fourth the thurium that's the real atman according to uh, the mandukya upanishad what is the nature of that fourth we saw that in detail in the seventh mantra of this mandukya upanishad the seventh mantra um don't get confused between upanishad and karika upanishad is the original text and the karikas are the commentaries on that written by gaudapada in the upanishad which has 12 mantras the seventh mantra talks about the real nature of the self what we really are and that's a very powerful mantra i will repeat it here again um, it goes something like this nanta pragyam na bahish pragyam ನಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಘನಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಘನಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಘನಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾನಘನಂಪ್ರಜ್ಞ
And if you say the ultimate reality cannot be expressed in words, then what is the Upanishad to do? What will it do then? Um, what uh, option does it have? So they have evolved different strategies. How to express something that cannot be expressed. One is this, not this, neti neti, by saying what it is not. If you cannot say what it is, you can say what it is not. Uh, another way is by paradox, higher than the, uh, farther than the farthest, nearer than the nearest, larger than the largest, smaller than the smallest, using paradoxical language. Um, there are other ways, by implied language, different ways of about four or five different strategies the Upanishads use. So, avyapadeshyam. Then, uh, can it be inferred? Can we use logic and reasoning to find it out? No, it cannot be inferred. Um, there are reasons why. Infer inference means uh, that I see something and infer something else. Like uh, the classic example of there is fire on the hill because of smoke. So we know that wherever there is smoke, there is fire. So when we see smoke and we do not see fire, we can always infer that there must be fire there. That's why there is smoke. And that's how the fire brigade, you know, the, the rushes of uh, um, the fire station knows that there is fire going on because it can see smoke in the skyline somewhere. Um, can you infer uh, the ultimate reality like that? You cannot. It's, um, and there are technical reasons why you cannot. Ekatma Pratyasaram. The only, so now the Upanishad gives a positive uh, uh, approach. So you have told us till now what it is not. Then what is that ultimate reality? The positive approach is this, that this sense of I, aham, I, if you trace it back, um, this was Ramana Maharshi's uh, special method, the who am I, the inquiry of who am I. If you trace it back to its source, it will point towards the real self, the fourth. Prapanchopashamam, very beautiful word. It means there in our real self, there is the, it's the, the negation, the disappearance, the silence of the universe. The universe is not there. Prapancha means that which is made of five elements. This entire cosmos is made of five elements in the ancient cosmology. So that is not there. That uh, does not exist in the ultimate truth. Prapanchopashamam. Uh, you know, Advaita Vedanta in brief can be described as Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. Brahman is real and the world is an appearance. So this Prapanchopashamam word, it means that the appearance nature of the world, the world is an appearance, it's not a reality by itself. Shantam. It is peaceful, it is beyond all suffering. So it's beyond the coronavirus. So there's no coronavirus in the Thuriyam. Shantam. Shivam. It is auspicious. It is bliss. It is fulfillment. What we are looking for in the waking and the dreaming states and potentially what goes into the, the deep sleep. So in the three worlds, that is waking, dreaming and deep sleep, we are chasing something, fulfillment. That's not available there, but it's available in our real nature. Shivam is fulfillment, ananda, auspiciousness. Advaitam, non-dual. That fourth is actually not the fourth, it is the one. You see, first, second and third, waking, dreaming and deep sleep, they are not to be counted. They are not a second reality apart from the Turiya. Turiya is non-dual. Non-dual means no second. There is nothing else apart from it. What happened to the waking, dreaming and deep sleep? They are appearances. They are not realities. The reality is only 
theory. And I have given the example. The classic example is gold and the ornaments, for example. Um, so if there are three ornaments, you know, uh, like a ring or, or a, a tiara or a bracelet, and then somebody tells you about gold, the fourth. First of all, gold is not an ornament. It is the material out of which the ornaments are, are made. And from the point of view of gold, there is only one. You, can, you cannot count a tiara and a bracelet and a ring and gold. They are not four things. There is only one thing that is gold. If you want to count the ornaments, three ornaments. If you want to count the gold, only one. Similarly, if you want to count the fourth, that is the pure consciousness of the Atman, there is only one, non-dual. There is no second thing apart from it. Advaitam. Then why is it called the fourth? It is called the fourth only with when you are counting as waking, dreaming, deep sleep, real self. One, two, three, four. But really it is not the fourth. Chaturtham manyante. People in ignorance think that there is a fourth reality called the Atman. But actually the Atman is the only reality. The self is the only reality which appears as you the waker and your waking world. You the dreamer and your dream world. You the deep sleeper and the potential darkness of deep sleep. So what is all this to, what does it have to do with me? Sa Atma, that is the self, it's you, we are talking about you. That's why Advaita is so interesting, it's about us, it's our, our real nature. Savigyaya, this has to be realized, not just read about, not just theorized about, but as a living rea realization. Why? Because then only we overcome sorrow and suffering uh, and permanently safe beyond the sufferings of the world. That is the final solution for coronavirus. A vaccine is temporary solution. So everything else, all kinds of suffering, they come to an end when you realize your nature as that non-dual self. This has to be realized. So this is the first chapter. One more thing I should add, that uh, first chapter, it gives you a meditation on Om. It's basically, the whole chapter is written as an explanation of Om. Om, you remember, can be thought of as four aspects. A, U, M. If you combine them together, it becomes Om. A and U. The two syllables A and U together becomes O by the rules of Sanskrit grammar. And M, Ma or M, M. Put them together, O, M becomes Om. And the silence after that, so that's the fourth aspect. First aspect, a, second aspect, u, third aspect, m, and the fourth one is the silence after each chanting of the om. And then the Upanishad correlates these four aspects with the four aspects of the self. A with the waker, u with the dreamer, m with the deep sleeper, and the silence with the turiyam. And this is a method like a shorthand. You can think of the Mandukya Upanishad as an explanation of Om. What does Om mean if you want to say? Not just a mantra to be chanted, not just for meditation or for concentration, for calming the mind, but also philosophically what does Om mean? So it means this, this Mandukya Upanishad, what it is saying. So that was the first chapter. Do we have any responses uh, so far? Or are people... Uh, okay, so we have one person who raised a hand. Arjun Rathor. Yeah, Pranam Maharaj. Namaskar. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. So I have, I have one confusion. Is Brahman totally oblivious of the unreal? Basically, if I have a movie screen 
it's unaware of the movie it's it is not conscious yes. same with the space hmm. but i am aware of my dream yes so that's where my confusion is correct because the uh, the brahman is chit yes this the simple answer to this is are you unaware of your experiences of course not otherwise it wouldn't be your experiences and you are brahman so brahman is not unaware of its own manifestations brahman is certainly aware of its own manifestations how this question arises because we think of brahman as something mysterious powerful wonderful but just think about yourself so brahman when it does not know its when it, the unenlightened jiva who is really brahman is the jiva aware yes it's aware of what waking dreaming deep sleep and when that jiva becomes enlightened enlightened means what i am brahman i am atma brahma i am that reality which underlies all three states then also then also the same brahman the same thuriyam through the jiva nature body mind which is still there now other people will call you jivan mukta earlier people were saying he is an ordinary fellow but now they will say oh arjun is jivan mukta what does arjun now see i am brahman and here through this mind and body eyes are still seeing forms ears are still hearing sounds um, you are still tasting touching all those things are there but you realize that everything is i the pure consciousness appearing in all these ways so whether in the state of unenlightenment or in the state of enlightenment brahman is always aware so brahman is con- its consciousness itself there is no question of it not being aware it's either aware of its manifestations in waking and dreaming or aware of the resolved state of manifestations in deep sleep same brahman with the upadhi of maya now appears as ishwara so ishwara is aware of the entire universe uh, is aware of the entire physical universe entire mental universe and of blankness of of the entire resolved universe in the state of pralaya so brahman is always aware yes that's a can be ha- two more questions i think can unmute them i i unmuted prabir basu uh, Pra- uh prabir basu yes from uh, i have a question yes uh, we call uh, consciousness awareness is the same thing but in ramana maharshi speaks about i what is the what is the i that right now i am with body and mind and also i am confused about what what the consciousness that visagadatta says when his consciousness does not match with yes correct so please don't get confused with the uh, terminology different people use different terminology but they mean the same thing for example in visagadatta's case lot of people get confused because awareness and consciousness two words are constantly used in nisargadatta's books uh, remember they were translated from marathi so he was speaking in marathi and those were the words that he used were translated into awareness and consciousness but don't get confused in that that ultimate awareness consciousness whatever you call it is the nature of the atman through the mind and the sense organs it becomes this emp- empirical awareness so this awareness which we have right now is not that pure consciousness it is that pure consciousness working through the mind so when the pure consciousness appears in the mind that awareness which we feel right now that is called chidabhasa reflection of that awareness reflection of the original awareness that chidabhasa illumines the mind and uh, through the illumined mind the sense organs are also illumined 
so we get the uh, conscious experience of thinking and seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting so this is uh, this is what you might call empirical awareness nisargadatta calls it consciousness and the original consciousness nisargadatta calls it awareness but in the translation only uh, i when he says i ramana maharshi says i that i which we feel right now it is this ahankara only but this ahankara itself is not the reality but when you trace this ahankara behind the ahankara is that consciousness so the ahankara points to that consciousness yeah. so when you say aham brahmasmi it is not that the ahankara is brahman it points to the real nature behind the ahankara which is dituryam um those whose questions have been answered you can there is also a way of lowering the hand because otherwise your hand will still be up okay um i'll take one more question if you have one more for me shashank shashank can you can you hear yeah so um yeah pranam swami ji my question is uh, you said about the silence after om did you say that that is same as the turiya yes the silence after om remember a u ma they are used to represent the waking dreaming and deep sleep and the silence is used to represent the turiya so om becomes like a shorthand when you recite om or think of om the entire teaching of the mantukya upanishad comes there so that's that's one level of understanding but there is a deeper level there's no time to explain this you have to go back to the first chapter's teachings by the way this is a good time to point out um all the classes which we had are now publicly available on soundcloud so if you search soundcloud server priyanand i can send you the link also um so all of them are there all the classes if you want to do a detailed revision if you have the patience to for do to do that all those classes are there i'm going to give you the link in um yes in the chat so all those classes will be there there you will see i'll just give you a hint here the silence not only represents turiyam but this may be confusing but in a deep sense it is dituryam then you don't have to then the silence is not the physical silence so silence has two aspects one is the ordinary silence which is the absence of sound so it's very noisy then all noise stops it's very quiet or oh, you say silence but that's the absence of sound there is another silence which underlies the presence and the absence of sound it is always there turiyam is the witness of that silence see silence which is the constant silence which underlies sound and the absence of sound if you think about that you will come it will point straight to you the consciousness it is something experiential so the silence is not only representative of turiyam turiyam is that silence but that silence is not just physical absence of sound it is consciousness itself okay um let's uh, now today by the way i am a little bit in a hurry so i i will have the class for one hour as stated next uh, week onwards we will take the class on till 9 o'clock uh, so 7:30 to 9 approximately and that's the how we used to do in the wednesday uh, afternoons about one and a half hours so it gives us enough time 
nine o'clock uh, Eastern time. I know there are people from other parts of the United States and a few from India, which is very early for people in India. Um, so yeah, so next week onwards, we will take more time. The reason I'm a little bit of hurry today is that I have another class today, which I had committed to earlier, a group in San Diego. And there are approximately, I hear there are a thousand people <laughs> waiting on, on Zoom. So that's the class uh, later tonight. All right. I will also do a little revision of the second chapter. Uh, so today we will go up to the second chapter, take a few more questions, whatever you'd like to ask, and then we will stop. And um, next class, next Wednesday, we will um, take up a little revision, short revision of the third chapter and start the fourth chapter. Fourth chapter is Alata Shanti Prakarana, which is what we are supposed to do. So next time we will start that one and a little short revision of the third chapter. So there's a question, how do you lower the hand? So you go to the hand on your screen and when you when your cursor goes there, you will see there is a little thing that lower hand. So it will go down by itself. But uh, Prabir Babu, your hand is already lowered. So don't worry. <laughs> um, others, hold on to your questions. We will see if you've got time then to have the, those questions. Second chapter. Second chapter is called Vaitathya Prakaranam. The word Vaitathya comes from, Vaitathya means falsity. So Vitatha. Tatha means as such or, or um, as it is in Sanskrit, tatha. Vitatha means not as it is, means false. Tatha means as it is, means as, as it is really. And vitatha means not as it is really, so false. Vaitatya means falsity. Uh, so the chapter which tries to show the falsity of the universe. Why did this chapter suddenly come up? Remember, in the seventh mantra, we saw a word, Prapanchopashama. Prapanchopashama, the silence of the universe or the uh, disappearance of the universe in your real nature. And that would be nice, actually. It would be very restful if uh, the universe, along with coronavirus, disappears for some time at least. In your real nature, the universe is, is an appearance. It's not a reality. Now, how do you prove that? This is an important topic in Advaita Vedanta because Advaita Vedanta, as I said, you can express it in the famous phrase, half a sentence. Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya Jiva Brahmevanapara. Brahman is the ultimate reality. The world is an appearance. What about me? Am I real or false? You are Brahman. You are that ultimate reality. Jiva Brahmevanapara. Now that second part of it, the world is an appearance. The world is not real. Some people love it. Wonderful. That's what I always felt. Some people get very upset. What do you mean world is not real? But there's a technical meaning to it. What does it mean, uh, mithya, falsity? Falsity does not mean completely unreal. What do I mean by completely unreal? Completely unreal in Sanskrit is called asat or tuchya. Um, that which does not exist and does not appear. It does not exist, like a square circle. It does not exist. There are no square circles. And it does not appear also. You cannot see it. Nobody has ever seen a square circle. You can't see it. It's an impossible thing. Um, so in Sanskrit, classic examples are, uh, they have the Akasha Kusuma, sky flower, a flower in the sky. It doesn't exist. No, no such flower. There are flowers and there is the sky, but there's no sky flower. 
rabbit's rabbit's horns shashashringa that means uh, the rabbit doesn't have horns but it's uh, uh, an example of things something that does not exist and nobody has ever seen it then there is that which does not exist but you see it so error or illusion or dreams so for example the snake is not there it's a rope but you see it as as a snake by mistake error or the water is not there in the desert but you see it it's a mirage but you see water there by mistake so that is called mithya or false now advaita vedanta claims that this world which we are experiencing is like that it's a very radical shocking claim is like what like the water in the desert looks like looks like that but is actually not there like the snake seen by mistake in the rope looks like a snake but actually is not a, not a snake um like what we see in dreams uh, it seems to be real but when you wake up you see oh it was all a dream like the blue co- color in the sky uh, it seems to be blue but the sky is actually not blue it's an optical illusion it's, a, it's an effect of uh, of light so world is like that the world which we consider to be real is like a dream um gaurapada uses the second chapter to prove that using reasoning not just because the the upanishads say something not because scripture say something but by reasoning so that we can all understand why the world is an appearance so i'll quickly uh, run through what we did in the second chapter um the core arguments what gaurapada does is in this entire chapter he tries to show that the waking state is also like the dream state waking state is like the dream state in what sense because see world is false when you say world is false in the language of mandukya upanishad what does it mean it means that the three states are false waking dreaming and deep sleep world what do you, what is the world in the in the mandukya upanishad world in the mandukya upanishad is the entire waking world plus whatever you dream about plus the the blank uh, blankness of deep sleep the potential state of deep sleep the entire waking world is called the gross or the physical world the entire dream world is called the subtle world what is in our minds and the deep sleep uh, is called the causal state gross subtle and causal states all are false stula sukshma karana all three are false and to show this gaurapada in his arguments he takes the example of the dream why the dream state because in general we accept what we saw in the dream is false we don't say that what we saw in the dream is true um so you know children have for example i was just thinking children sometimes have imaginary friends and the parents know that that's an imaginary friend that uh, the child imagines the the friend it does not exist so you cannot say that that my son or daughter has 10 friends nine real ones and one imaginary one no so the, the, you have to say that the son or the daughter has nine friends that imaginary friend does not exist you cannot count it along with the uh, other friends similarly whatever happens in dreams events people we meet objects that we, that we find in the dream state they do not exist in the waking they are all, all in the mind gaurapada takes up this uh, in the first three verses what gaurapada does is he establishes 
that whatever we experience in dream is in fact false. Because he's going to use that as an example. So let's be all on the same page. After going ahead, nobody, somebody should not come up and say that. But it, dreams are also real. No, dreams are false. So to establish that, he, um, he shows the reasons. The style of argumentation in uh, Vedanta is Shruti Yukti Anubhuti. Shruti means you have to give relevant quotations from the Upanishads. Yukti means reasoning. Anubhuti means experience. Show by reasoning and experience and from the Upanishads what you are arguing is true. Dream is false. Why? What's the reason? He says, because what you experience in dream cannot be there because of reasons of, because of inappropriate, inappropriate or inadequate time and space. What does that mean? If you remember, we did it uh, last year. So you see an elephant um, or you see, uh, I see Central Park, I'm walking and I, and I get up in the morning and I see, oh, it was a dream. Now, Central Park was not there because that Central Park I saw, in the, it was in the dream. Why? If it's in, in my mind, in, in this little head, the whole of Central Park cannot exist. It's impossible. There's, there isn't adequate space. Even if you meet the, uh, the shortest person on earth, still there's not enough space for that person to be inside your head. Basically, he's giving a very simple argument. All the things and places and objects we see in our dream, they actually cannot exist inside the head. Um, inadequate space. Inappropriate time. So, I dreamt I was in Belurmat in India. And then when I wake up in the morning, I say that, no, that's impossible. I really, it must have been a dream. Although it was very vivid, I really couldn't have gone to Belurmat. There's not enough time. I went to sleep late last night, woke up early this morning. There wasn't enough time for me to go to that place and come back. Time does not match. Space does not match. So for these reasons, um, dreams are false. And experience also shows it. The moment you wake up, you dreamt you met your best friend in your dream. But if you ask your friend, he'll say, no, we didn't meet. So your waking experience cancels your dream experiences. What you... Um, you are having pizza and you put it in your refrigerator and you, in your dream you woke up and uh, ate the pizza from your refrigerator. In the morning your experience shows, no, you have not eaten it, it's still there in the refrigerator. So your, your waking experience cancels your dream experiences. Therefore they must have been false. And he gives relevant quotations from Vriyadharnaya Upanishad to show the dream experiences are false. Basically, uh, because, um, uh, so basically he establishes what you experience in dream. He does not say that you did not dream, you dreamt. But what you experienced in dream and what you thought during a dream was real, is not real. It's cancelled when you wake up. Similarly, just as the things you experience in dream are not real, similarly, now is what the main argument he wants to present. Similarly, what we experience in our waking state is also unreal. Why? We will say, so that's a stunning claim. Can you argue it out? Yes, he says. He gives two reasons. This is very important. The essence of uh, Gaurapada's argument in the second chapter. Two reasons. The first reason he says, by the well-known reason, if you remember we did it last year, he says uh, infuriatingly, because of the well-known reason, waking things are false. Prasiddheneva hetuna. What is this well-known reason? The well-known reason is not at all well-known. Maybe it was well-known to him, but it's thank God we saw, we have the commentaries of Shankaracharya and all of this, so we understand what he meant. 
The reason is this, two reasons to show that the waking world is as false as the dream world, or is false like the dream world. First one, that which is an object to consciousness must be an appearance. That which is an object, drishya, must be an appearance, must be false. Drishyatvat mithya, false because it is an object. This sounds outrageous. Now what the argument is? The argument is, just as you saw the uh, snake on the rope, or the water in the desert, or the blue color in the sky, you saw them, but you know that they are false. Similarly, you see the rest of the world, and you know it is false. How? Because I, for the first time I heard this, I remember asking the teacher, no, no, the argument does not follow. We see the snake and then we correct it and say that, oh, it's a rope. I saw the snake, but now I say it's false. But I see the rope and I don't say that the rope is false. I see, it's true that I see sometimes erroneously, I see illusions and they are false. But I see so many real things also. So just seeing itself does not make something false. That's, that's incredible. It cannot be, we can't believe this. But this is the, you know, that um, Jewish word, uh, chutzpah, the cheekiness, the, the radical uh, nature of Advaita. There's a logic to this. What is the logic? Is this. A thing is real if it exists by itself. So for example, why are the things in the dream not real? Because you realize they were entirely in your imagination. They really did not exist outside. You know, normally when we look at the world, uh, I'm eating a piece of bread. I don't think that the bread is in my mind. I'm thinking about the bread and I'm eating it, I'm enjoying it. But I also think it's really out there. I can touch it and see it and it's something out there which I am now eating. Now, if it does not exist, if it exists only in the imagination, we call it false. It does not exist outside. What, what Gaudapada is arguing is, all that we see and experience, we experience it in inconsciousness. Without consciousness, you cannot experience it. Where is the proof that the objects that we experience exist apart from consciousness, exist by themselves, exist independently? You cannot prove it. To prove it, you need consciousness. Whenever you experience something, after all, what is experience? Consciousness illumining something. So even a waking state experience, like um, say this pen. So I am awareness, awareness working through the mind and through the eyes sees this pen. But this pen is, is appearing to me in consciousness. Is it ever possible for me to prove that this pen is real? I have to show that it, is, it can be experienced apart from consciousness. But that's technically impossible, that's literally impossible. Experience means consciousness has to be there. Do you see the argument? Without consciousness, no experience. Without experience, no proof of this pen. So, it's a subtle argument. It took me a long time to get what was meant. But it's, it's a very stunning argument. Everything in our universe, whatever we think, it's all we are thinking in awareness. So, apart from awareness, there is no proof of anything. And there's no proof of it, what's the use of talking about it? So he says, because it's an object to consciousness, therefore it must be false. Drishyatvat mithya. What a stunning claim. You see, why it's so stunning? When do we say something is real? When it is an object to our consciousness, we say it's real. We see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, touch it. Therefore it is real. Gaudapada is saying, therefore it is false.
<laughs> because apart from consciousness you cannot conceive of an object is an object is an object to consciousness okay so this is one reason is what thinking about the second reason is similar to this it says anityatvat because of the um, non eternal the transitory nature of everything now what does he mean by this that which does not exist earlier which comes into being and afterwards does not exist again it cannot be real and that's the nature of everything in this universe did not exist at one, at one time was born exists now and disappears afterwards but godapada says even when it seems to exist it does not exist it's an appearance it's false why this is the concept of borrowed existence anything that is borrowed will come and go i've given the example of um say a hot stove uh, we are burning uh, you are cooking a potato so hot potato but the potato is not hot by itself it has borrowed its heat from the boiling water the water is not hot by itself it's borrowed its heat from the hot saucepan the saucepan is not hot by itself it has borrowed its heat from fire but the fire is hot by itself as long as the fire is there it will be hot what is the difference you will notice saucepan boiling water or potato they are hot now after some time they will not be hot before this they were not hot they gain and lose heat why do they gain and lose heat because that heat that they are have they have is borrowed heat it's not their own so the very sign of not having its own heat is that it sometimes hot sometimes not hot but the fire is always hot because it fire is intrinsically hot this is an example now suppose existence were borrowed then what would happen remember heat is borrowed means sometimes cold sometimes hot cold becomes hot again becomes cold that is borrowed that shows it is borrowed heat borrowed existence borrowed existence it will mean that sometimes it, that it did not exist comes into existence disappears from existence it it goes away so being born and dying created and destroyed uh, that is a sign of borrowed existence so what does that mean so what everything in the universe is like that it is born and it's destroyed created and destroyed uh, born and it dies that means everything in the universe has borrowed existence so what if it has borrowed existence it the existence it must have borrowed it from something does not have existence of its own not having existence of its own depending on something else for its existence that is the definition of falsity mithya it cannot exist by itself imagine just think that's that false snake it depends on the rope for its existence the water in the desert the mirage it depends on the optical illusion of the heat and the um, uh, in the air for its uh, appearance all the dream objects and persons it depends upon your mind for their existence similarly this entirety of the universe it depends on brahman on on you on the consciousness for its existence because it cannot exist apart from you the consciousness therefore all the objects are false so two reasons he has given to show um, all the objects in the waking state are as unreal as objects in the dream state um before i take questions gaurapada he handles some objections see you are trying to reduce waking state into dream state normally we don't think like this uh 
Well, that's why it's Vedant. That's why it's shocking. If you thought about it normally, I was just reading Bertrand Russell today. Uh, common sense. He says, common sense is the metaphysics of savages. <laughs> if it goes against common sense, it's common sense he dismisses. It's the metaphysics of savages. Yes. So, Vedanta says something that's completely against common sense. Our common sense tells us waking is real, dream is false. Gaurapada's Vedanta, uh, it's a little advanced, Mandukya Karika. Uh, it says, waking and dreaming are not different. Immediate, objection. Like uh, the Purva Pakshas, they would have raised a little blue hand like this. Question, if they had Zoom in those days. Uh, what is the question? Four questions and quick answers. You will begin to see what Gaurapada says. One question. No, 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 dream object and um, waking object cannot be the same because waking objects are useful, dream objects are not useful. I have got um, a pizza in my fridge. In reality, if I eat it, my hunger will be satisfied. But a pizza in the dream will not satisfy my hunger. Water in the dream will not quench my thirst. Real water in the waking state will quench my thirst. Very easy answer. Gaudapada says, in the dream, if you feel hungry, then only dream pizza will satisfy your dream hunger. All the pizza from Domino's will not satisfy your hunger in the dream. If you feel thirsty in the dream, there will be water which you drink. All of it is in the dream, but that satisfies your, that quenches your thirst. So, utility objects in the dream have utility in the dream. Objects in the waking have utility in the waking state, not in, uh, among each other. Therefore, you cannot say utility is the, is the sign of reality. Uh, some Buddhist schools use this Arthakriya Karitvam Practical efficacy is the, uh, is the mark of reality But this argument shows uh, In dream state Suppose you say uh, Practical efficacy is the mark of reality Then in dream I feel thirsty I drink water in the dream Then the dream water will become real Because it, it quenched my thirst Then um, And the opposite Water in the waking state, it's there by my bedside and I'm in the dream, I'm sleeping and feeling very thirsty in my dream. And then in the waking state, there is water near my bed, but I'm not aware of it. So that water cannot quench my thirst on the dream thirst. So if it cannot quench my dream thirst, then the waking water becomes unreal. You can see how you can re reverse that logic. Second objection. What you see in the dream is vague. It is mental, it's vague. In the waking state, you can clearly see, hear, smell, taste, touch. Same uh, argument can be given. In the dream, it's an unfair comparison to bring your dream memories back into the waking and then try to compare. No. In the waking st dream state, when you, when you experience those objects in the dream, they seem very real, very clear. Now in the waking state, they seem unclear. So, clarity is a matter of being in that state and perceiving. Third... Uh, Objection would be, see, there is a difference between internal and external. Right now, um, suppose for example, here is a pen. This pen is external, it is real. Now, I am thinking about the pen. That pen is internal, it is unreal. Similarly, dreams are internal, unreal, but waking world is out there, it is real. No. In the dream, same argument, in the dream, you will, there also you will see the distinction between internal and external also happens. Why? In the dream, you are there and talking to your friend and also mentally you are thinking about something. So, there is an internal and an external in the dream. Though the whole thing is internal, when you wake up, you see the whole thing is internal. In the dream also, mental activity goes on and senses are also active. You can see, hear, smell or it seems like that. So, internal and external distinction, 
does not make a distinction between waking and dream. Both are there in both states. Then the last one is um, public availability. So you dream about something. You go and say share a cup of coffee with your friend. In the morning, uh, your friend will say, no, we, we did not share the cup of coffee. But in the waking state, if you go and have a cup of coffee with your friend, your friend will say, yes, we had. So that cup of coffee which you had in the, morning, in the waking state, that's publicly available. Other people also see it. But what you see in your dream, only you see it. So that is unreal. And what everybody sees, that is real. Seems convincing. But Gaudapada will give you the same answer. In the dream also, there are certain things which everybody sees. In your dream, you are walking around in the park and you see a beautiful lake. Now, everybody in your dream is seeing that lake. Uh, or the people who are in there in that dream. So, there is an illusion of public awareness there. Of, uh, something publicly available. Similarly, in the waking state, you cannot say that is a sign of reality. Okay, I'll stop. There are a number of questions. You can unmute them one by one. Unmute Nitin. Yes, uh, Nitin. I had a question. Uh, so, uh, Brahman, I, I am Brahman and I am having a dream experience uh, right now through the first person point of view of this jiva. Yes. I, Brahman, also have deep sleep experience. Yes. When, uh, a jiva is asleep. Uh, my question is, I, Brahman, do I ever have a waking experience? Certainly. Uh, what does it? What is it like? See, um, the waking experience will be exactly like this. What what you are saying is that after no, is this waking is also a dream experience for Brahman. Yes, correct. So beyond this dream and deep sleep experiences that we experience in this relative. Okay, okay, I understand. Um, here we will make a short, like a little distinction. Gaudapada in, introduces a further innovation. He says, if the waking state and dream states cannot be distinguished, both are appearances then why say that there are three states? He says, why not say there are only two states? Dreaming and deep sleep. Dreaming and deep sleep. What is dreaming? Waking is also dreaming. Dreaming is also dreaming. So first two states, Gaudapada calls them uh, dream. And the third state, deep sleep, Gaudapada calls it sleep. And all are in ignorance. When you are enlightened, the appearance of manifestation in Thurium, and the disappearance of manifestation, you will see that I am Brahman and this world appears in waking and dreaming, both are appearances, it's all Thurium and then it dissolves back into a blankness, into a seed state that is deep sleep or Samadhi. That will be the enlightened person's perspective. Right. So that sounds like more like lucid dreaming where I'm aware that I'm dreaming. As an enlightened person, I'm aware that whatever this waking world is, none other than a dream experience. Correct, correct, a bit like that. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Arpanamastu. Stay well and stay safe, safe all of you.